0: Be seated today, and uh, we've been in this series called "The Advantage," and uh, we've been talking about the advantage that the Holy Spirit brings to all of our lives. And uh, man, there are so many, and so we're looking forward to talking about that today. Uh, I'll just say this: I'm going to share a lot of Scripture with you today, so I want to encourage you. Smartphone, iPad, whatever Bible, whatever you use to look at the Scripture. Uh, I want you to have it out and be ready, all right, because we're going to look at it. Some of the stuff will be on the screen, but uh, we welcome you today, and thank you for for being here. Uh, we welcome in our GT Live listeners. Can we do that? Can we welcome in those that are watching maybe around the world? Um, <clears throat> Melissa, our communications director, said, man, I was in Romania and watching the service. Uh, Scott's on his way home today from Honduras with the team, so just amazing that wherever you are in the world, you can... Uh, you know, tune in to what's happening here at GT, so we're really grateful for that. Kutztown, I will say this, uh, we're not streaming this service to them today because they've done a training all morning, and what I want to really encourage the West Lawn location to do, I'm asking you to make this commitment, can you for the next couple of weeks in your prayer time, when you spend time with God, pray for Kutztown. Uh, Our prayer is that we're reaching northern Berks, you heard Selena, like glow in the dark all around Berks County, we love Berks. Uh, And so when you wear that band, uh, pray for Glow in the Dark, pray for Berks County, but also pray October 13th, we're going to be launching two services up at Kutztown. No longer are they going to be meeting just at 10, but they're going to be meeting like we do at 9 and 11. So how many will make that commitment? You're going to pray for them? Pray for them. They're doing training today. Uh, Some of our team is up there today just encouraging the volunteers because when you do, I remember when we did three Sunday morning services, our first one started at 745. Uh, And I remember the first week we did that, I thought, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Uh, But you know what? We did that for eight years, and I just thought, you know, God's faithful. So let's pray for Kutztown, and uh, we're looking forward to October 13th. But for today, um, the message is, the advantage of the Holy Spirit in our life is this. He counsels us. And so today I'm going to talk a little bit about coaching. And uh, how many have ever had a coach in your life? All right. Uh, so I'm going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, one of the great mentors or coaches that I, over the years, Chuck Swindoll, years ago, pastor at a radio program, here's what he said. He said, there is no counsel like God's counsel. There's no comfort like God's comfort. No wisdom more profound than the wisdom of the scriptures. And I just was thinking about that. You know, there is no counsel like God. You know, you can get an opinion. You can get someone's thought. I mean, that's all good. But there's no counsel like God's counsel. There's no wisdom like the word of God. And we were talking about that last week. Coaching is a big part of what we do here at GT. Um, We do that with people spiritually. We mentor them. Uh, You know, how many are in a life group? If you're in a life group, you know what coaching is about. You speak into each other's life. You pray together. You do life together. It's a powerful part. And coaching was a big part of my life. Uh, You know, I grew up as an athlete, you know, whatever. And I, I remember our family, my dad was the coach. Uh, And so it's interesting when your dad is the coach, and he wasn't just, he was the head coach. So when he told me to do something, he told the team to do something, I better do it. You know, it's tough when you get grounded at baseball practice. You know what I'm talking about? And so he was the coach, and uh, it's funny, I I remember my dad got into coaching, and years later, and I said, Dad, listen, just want to call a little time out here for you. I said, you realize maybe coaching's changed a little bit. Like I was a catcher, and we'd do batting practice for like three hours. I said, if you coach the way you did back in the day, they're going to arrest you. I'm telling you right now. I said, there's no, particip- n- no participation trophies. Uh, there were no snack, mom- snack moms in my day. Uh, I'll never forget, I was coaching the boys. We are raising them there in Little League. And we're getting hammered that day, 14 to nothing. This team is killing us. I forget, we were playing at Why missing, And they were killing us. And this boy runs up to me and goes, coach, he said, what's for snack today? And I didn't call him Sunshine, but I said, Bubba, I said, I I don't know who the snack mom is today, and I don't know what the snack is, but here's what I do know. We're losing 14 to nothing. So go grab a bat and get a hit when you get up there, all right? And I I, I get the idea, you know, I've seen, I see, how many have seen parents go the other direction? Where it's like, I told my dad, too, I said, when you get back into coaching, your problem isn't going to be with the kids, it's going to be with mom and dad. All right, so coaching has been a big part of my life. And, um, and so, you know, I remember, you know, like now they have these, what are these little things called? They spin around, they're called, what are they called? You would like fidget spinners or something? Well, I know I talk to the old people a lot. Uh, this was my fidget spinner. I'll never forget, man, back in the day growing up, I'm going to show you how old I am. Tuesday night watching Happy Days. Yeah, a lot of old people in here tonight, I can hear today. Uh, Welcome back, Cotter. Some of you are like, welcome back, Cotter. What's that? It's a great show. It was a great show, right? And I would just sit there with that baseball, and, you know, even when I was there, my dad was always coaching me. In fact, I often say, I think one of the only reasons I got drafted in pro ball was because of my dad's coaching. I really believe that. I, you know, he helped me achieve, and so I'd sit there holding the ball, I'd have my decker on, watching Happy Days, Fonzie doing his deal, and I'd be pulling the ball out of the glove and always trying to get four seams, because... A pitcher wants the ball to move. He throws a change up. He throws a fork ball. But a catcher, you know, you always want to throw. The the way you hold the ball, the basic thing of just, that's a big deal. None of this sidearm stuff. I had to get my arm up. I was a catcher. And my dad was always coaching me. So I'd sit there watching Happy Days, Welcome Back, Cotter, and I'd be pulling the ball and just grabbing four seams so that I could do it without even thinking about it, all right? Uh, coaching was, yeah, it was a big deal. I remember when I, you know, we'd have practice, like I said, for our Three and a half hours, uh, half a day started. We'd never go on vacation until the baseball season was over. I'll never forget, like, you know, and I know I'm not, whatever, don't, don't email me. I get it. Life's different. But you go in the middle of June. We never went in the middle of June. We went when baseball season was over. And we'd be in there, you know, taking batting practice. And one of the big things in baseball is you'd be, you'd be fearful of the ball, you know. I mean, there's this nine-year-old out there. You know, he can't even hardly do whatever. And now he's throwing a baseball near me. And I remember my dad saying, don't be afraid of the ball. You know, don't step in the bucket. You got to step right into it. And so coaching was uh, obviously a big part of my life. And so, so many things. I was a catcher. You know, I was husky. Some of you are going to get that. I didn't run fast. (laughs) I wanted to be the pitcher. I wanted to be the shortstop. I'm not, no, Brian, you're going to catch all right. And you need a good catcher in little league. I'll tell you right now I've seen teams that didn't and they run around so I had a good arm whatever and uh when you're catching so now you're back there this 9-year-old throwing the ball at you there's a guy swinging at the ball the temptation as a catcher it's called to flinch. You want to just go like that. You're like Eesh. I mean even though you're covered with gear it's just it's like not this normal reaction and you just had to sit back there and relax and catch it. Well, you know after years you just you get used to doing that. So coaching was a big part of my life. So here's the deal. When when I say the word coach, what's the first picture in your mind? What is it? Football. Football. You you think of a person. You think of a coach. You think of a whistle. You think of someone like, come on, do that better. You think of someone maybe yelling. You don't think of a snack mom or a participation trophy. I mean, you think of a coach. You think of Andy Reid. Can I tell you, when you look up the word coach in Webster's, it's not the first definition. The word coach in the 1800s meant it was like a carriage with four wheels and a horse. And the guy would you'd get in the coach, and they would take you where you need to go. So I have a couple pictures up here. That's the coach, and then there's Doug Peterson. Yeah, I knew that, I knew that would cause division in the church today. And I got to tell you this. I, I'm a loving pastor. I'm a, I really am a loving pastor. My closing quote today is going to be from another coach, Tom Landry. Boy, there are no Dallas fans in here? Man, I thought at least the Cowboys would say, oh, all right. Let's just do this. I'll be really loving. How many are Steelers fans? Okay, leave your hand up. We're going to pray for you guys right now. (laughs) DJ, put your hand up, man. We're going to pray for you, dude. I I didn't put Tomlinson up there because I don't know if he's really coaching that well right now. Not really a good example. All right? But when you think about coach, it's not just a four-wheel carriage with a horse. Here's what I want you to remember about a coach. Whether it's football, baseball, whatever it is, I want you to think about a coach getting you where you need to go. You get in that coach, he starts getting with a horse, and he's going to take you where you need to go. A coach wants to lead a team where it needs to go to win the championship. I want to talk to you today about the Holy Spirit being our coach. About being our counsel. The bottom line today, the actionable thing that I want us to walk out with is that we need to allow the Holy Spirit to control and coach our life. You say, why do we have to allow it, God? Uh, Brian, isn't God like all powerful? Yes, He is, but He doesn't override our free will. Allowing God to work in your life is a choice. As I say all the time, Christianity is not about more information. Oh, just another sermon, read some more scriptures. No, Christianity is about a decision. What do I do with the information I'm learning? What do I do with what God is impressing upon my heart? So I want to look at that today. Uh, I can tell you right now, when I played baseball with the White Sox, I'll never forget it. Graduate on a Thursday night, get drafted Friday, sign my contract Saturday, Monday morning. I'm 18 years old. I walk into the, the locker room of the Chicago White Sox. Sarasota, Florida, there's some big boys in that room, some strong guys, some very talented guys. I'll never forget seeing Greg Lazinski, the bull. I was this little 18-year-old pencil neck, and I'm like, wow, how, you know, and I can tell you this, in my three and a half years with the White Sox, a lot of talented guys, a lot of strong guys, very gifted, but you know what I also saw? Some very uncoachable guys. Individuals that wouldn't take advice. I had this one guy, he was, man, slapped together, could hit a baseball, had an arm like a cannon, but you know what his weakness was? He could never be coached. He had an attitude. One of the quotes I've often used as a pastor at GT, I don't even know who originally said it, but I've always stuck in my mind, your altitude will always be determined by your attitude. The way you think, it's not just action, it's not just strength, it's how we think, it's how we live. The Spirit of God wants to counsel us in our thinking. You say, well, we've seen a lot of football players. We've seen all the news reports. Very talented, very gifted, making millions of dollars. But somewhere, they're not connecting it. Their attitude is horrible. Their behavior is not right. But you know what? It's not just in sports. I've seen that only not in a locker room. I've seen that in church. I've seen that in ministry. I've seen it in my own life, haven't you? Where we tend to not want to go. The song we were singing, God lead me, God's not always going to lead us to a comfortable place. He's not going to always lead us to where we think we should go. I used to always tell my boys, it's when from the time they're little on up, you've heard me say it many times, to say, well, what do you want to do when you grow up? You know, the more important question is, what does God want to do with me when I grow up? The main text we're using, John 16, 7, I'm not going to preach from it today, but here's what we read last week in the New American Sinner Bible. But I tell you the truth, Jesus speaking. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, it is, not, it is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper, the paraclete, the Greek word paraclete, helper, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The paraclete, the helper, the counselor, the comforter. That's the translation Of paraclete. And it was just like destined to be. Now when Jesus Christ, think about it, he he rises from the dead. He rises from the dead. I thought, what an amazing thing. They see him dead on the cross. He wasn't just, not lethal injection, not a gunshot. They saw him hang on that cross for hours. He was dead. Crucified, dead, and buried, the Bible says. And the Holy Spirit rose him from the grave. You know the other powerful thing I think about? The ascension. That to me would have probably struck me harder than even the resurrection because now they're with him for 40 days. He's showing himself. He's talking. He's teaching. He said, I'm not a ghost. Feel me. You know, I'm I'm in my resurrected body. But now they're out on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus talking to them about the kingdom and how he's going to always be with them. And he begins to ascend into heaven. How many of you gee, that, that would have freaked you out. How many you see him floating up into the sky? Not an airplane not with a jetpack. He just he's ascending. Back to the Father. Now the Holy Spirit's in charge of the church. And not only would they have been amazed by that, watching that, but now they're saying, now what do we do? I mean, there's their leader. That's the one raising people from the dead, opening blind eyes. The Holy Spirit. He said, if I don't go away, the helper can't come. The counsel of God can't come. The coach, the one who's going to lead you. He led them in a deeper understanding. He's the one that gave, me, they gave them confidence during their tribulation, during their persecution. It was the Holy Spirit. So turn with me to Romans 8. We're going to go to Romans 8 today. And in a moment, I'm going to read Romans 8, 6. In fact, it's funny how certain verses, this was the first scripture that I ever memorized as a brand new Christian. I told you the story how I got saved. I came home. They said, read your Bible, pray, go to church. So I started reading my Bible. I read Zechariah, reading about flying scrolls and dreams and visions. I said, this guy's got more problems than me. I need to keep turning. So I made my way to the book of Romans. And this is the first verse that I ever committed to memory. Romans 8, 6. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Notice the word let. Who wants death? Nobody wants death. Who wants life and peace? We all do. The Spirit of God said, if you let God lead you, you'll have life and peace. If you let your sinful nature lead you, it's going to lead to death. That's why we've got to let the Holy Spirit coach and control our life. And so here's the big question I would ask you. What controls your thinking? Who controls your thinking? You say, well, Brian, come on. I mean, that, that's, that's simple. I do. I control my thinking. I mean, isn't it funny at times how you think sometimes, can I really control every thought that comes in my mind, like when you meet a certain person? I, I know you understand this because we've all had these encounters where you meet someone, you're saying, man, what a great guy. I remember the first time I met Greg Hubbard. First time I ever met Greg Hubbard. I mean, you see him up here sweating, preaching, spitting, and all that stuff. First time I ever meet him, I'll never forget it. Um, I'm meeting him, you know, new evangelist. I'm the young kid. I'm I'm taking him to the Econo Lodge because he's going to be with us for three nights, and I drop him off the Econo Lodge. I'm talking to him, and and uh, I'm I'm at the front desk, and uh, I hope Greg sees this because I'm still uh, my counselor's working me through it, but still. I, I asked for a king-size bed, blah, 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 non-smoking room, and we come outside the Econologian, and Greg goes, I said, man, I hope everything's okay for you. you are looking forward to these great nights. And Greg says, hey, one thing, he said, uh, we, we never get a non-smoking room. He said, Robin just likes, after a service, just kind of unwind and just light up one and just relax. And I was like, I said, Hubbard, I don't really know you, but I like you even more now because I get the locker room sarcasm, and I was like, we just became bosom buddies right there, right? Um, And don't email me. Robin doesn't smoke or relax that way. But anyway, so she's probably laughing her head off right now that I even told it. But I I can tell you, every time I'm around Greg, I thought, what a great guy. What a great heart. Have you ever felt that when you talk to someone? What an encourager. And then there are other people. (laughs) Kind of takes you down a Dark rabbit hole, negative, critical, always complaining, whatever. And you, rather than saying, oh, what a nice person, I just, I, and listen, you, listen, I'm a pastor, but I'm a human being, I'd say, what a jerk. You say, oh, I never think that. Well, I bet you do. Isn't it amazing how people can influence how you think? It could be a spouse. It could be a kid. It could be a coworker. It could be another person in church. It could be the guy at the red light who doesn't move when it turns green. It's amazing how that affects your thinking. Want to go to the horn? Oh, I'm going to give a Christian beep. Beep, beep. Ha! Does Satan influence our thinking? You better believe he does. The most powerful organ in your body is your mind. It's between your ears. Lust, greed, hatred. Where does that... Where does that begin? In our thoughts, in our mind. The Bible says in James, James 1.14, temptation comes from our own desires. You know, I'm, I'm going to speak to the old people again. Happy days. Welcome back, Cotter. What about uh, the Jeffersons? Or, you know, who was it, the guy? Flip Wilson. The devil made me do it. Yeah, the old people are laughing. They remember that. I won't call you out, but I see you giggling. I don't have to. No, the devil doesn't make you do it, but the devil tempts you to do it. Temptation comes from your own desires which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions and when sin is allowed to grow it gives birth to death. So you see, it's desire, it's thought, when you give in it grows, it brings forth death. Now the important thing is if you're a new believer you say, "Well man, I've been tempted." We've all been tempted. Temptation is not a sin. Hebrews 4:15 says The high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Temptation is not a sin. And it's the Spirit of God that wants to lead us and control our thinking and control our life. He wants to guide us to life and peace, not sin and death. Anyone that ever tells you, well, Christians don't sin, two things. They don't ever read their Bible, and they really haven't lived a true life. We've all sinned. We all fall short. The reason I'm having you go to Romans 8 today is that the Holy Spirit dominates Romans 8. To me, Romans 8 is like the high point of this great book. Book of Romans is such a powerful book, and chapter 8 is just dominated by the the word you'll see, how many times you see the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 teaches us this, there's no condemnation, there's no obligation, there's no separation. The Holy Spirit's come to give us life. Romans 8 talks about ownership. It, taught, it, it gives a contrasting picture from Paul about how we used to be owned by sin, but now we're owned by the Holy Spirit. Everything that had us down before as non-believers, as non-Christians, those chains have been broken because of the cross. That's what Jesus died for, all right? So Paul is shooting real straight here in Romans 8, and he compares. It would be like looking at this, you know, looking at this football and looking at this baseball. There, there's no comparison. They're totally different balls. What Paul's saying in Romans 8, your life controlled by the, by the sinful nature is sin. When you're controlled by the Spirit, it's life and peace. It's totally different things. All right? So let's read Romans 8, 5 through 11. Here's what it says. Paul writes to the Roman Christians, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. Always hostile. Not sometimes, not most of the time. The sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's a powerful phrase. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Not sometimes, not usually, never please God. But you are not controlled. Here's the good news. But, I, one of my favorite words in the Bible, but, it says all this is the way it is, but, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you. He didn't say what church you're a member of. Are you trying to be a good person? No, you're either saved or you're unsaved. You either know God or you don't know God. You're controlled by the spirit or you're controlled by your sin nature. And remember those That those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. Verse 10, and Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. That's what the spirit does. Think of how the spirit, think of the advantage we have as followers of Jesus. Verse 11, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Just take a moment. That, you know, in the Old Testament, there's a, a word, it says Silah. It's kind of a musical term, just to ta- stop, rest. It's like a quarter rest, a half rest. Just stop playing and listen. Listen to that. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. He doesn't, he's not out. He doesn't in this church. He lives in our lives. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And just as God raised. Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. I have two simple points. Here's one. What controls and coaches your mind? Is it the sinful nature or is it the spirit? That's what verse 5 says. You say, well, I know the Ten Commandments. I've got to memorize. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. Listen, many times we do know that. But knowing it and being able to live it is completely different. In fact, the more you know about the Ten Commandments, every one of us in GT Live here, I don't care how you're listening to this service today, I can tell you this, we've all broken the Ten Commandments over and over and over. You know, it's kind of like when you have, you say, man, look how, look how white that sheep is. When it's next, you know, but you put it next to that green grass, it doesn't look that white. The Ten Commandments, you know, man, you know, it doesn't seem that hard. No, listen, we can never fulfill the law without God's help. Sin is the driving force in our decisions as unbelievers. Selfishness is the filter for the direction of our life. You say, now come on, Brian. You're saying, like, we've all, listen, we've all met people that don't know God that are more Christian than some Christians who claim they know God, right? We all know that. I used to think about that in my grandmother years ago. She, she was not a believer, but, man, sweet, never gossip, never. She just was really kind, but she didn't know God. Thankfully, she's come to know God, but selfishness is the filter for the unbeliever. Look what it says in verse 7. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and never will. So it's, it's always, these two things fight each other. It's like they, they fight. The spirit and the sinful nature fight against each other. The Bible says you can't please him without it. Now, I want you to go to Ephesians. Go with me to Ephesians because here's, again, a great word picture. Ephesians 2. I'm going to read it quickly because we don't have a lot of time. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. Here's Paul now writing to the Christians in Ephesus. He said, once you were dead because of your disobedience. He didn't say you were sick. You weren't a little whatever. No, you were dead in your trespasses, in your disobedience, and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. There is good and there is evil. We're going to do a series in the fall. It's called Supernatural. There's a lot of things in this world you never see. We can hear Fox and hear CNN, but I want to tell you, there's an unseen spiritual world that really is real. And Paul's telling the Ephesians, it's the devil who guides these powers against resisting God. Follow, He said, all of us used to live that way. All of us, not some of us. You say, well, I'm a nice person. My, my wife, Lynn, she grew up in church. I always say she was delivered from M&M's and Kool-Aid. I mean, four years old, she received Christ. We were born into sin. goes on to say, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But, there it is again, but, verse 4, but God is so rich in mercy and loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. That's why we need to let the Spirit of God control and coach our life all right? It's funny, in Romans uh, 8.5, it says, when when the, the spirit like dominates or controls your mind, it says to those, it actually it talks about the enemy doing that, because sinners, it's like their minds are set. Uh, I mentioned my dad earlier, you know, he was a coach and, and was a big part of my life. My dad worked with concrete. Anybody work with concrete in your life? Uh, 41 years, Burke's products, that's what he did. And, and when I came home in the off season, or I was off, I'd you know, I'd work there, too. I'd be finishing concrete, doing whatever. I, I love it. It was a great job. Run that front-end loader, you know, take my shirt off, get some sun, dump in sand, stone, and all that into it. How many know that when you mix sand, stone, water, and cement, what happens? It gets really hard. And I used to think to myself, man, my dad had a tough job. I mean, I know, like, you get a Domino's pizza, and the pizza drops, and it flops over, they'll get you a new one. When you pour concrete somewhere, it gets hard. Paul says that an unsaved person in their thinking is like that concrete. They become set in their minds. They think differently about sin. I mean, we've all been around people that don't know God. I remember one day at Burke's product. So I'm there working. I'm running the front end loader. They brought this building truck in. So we were unloading this lumber off the truck. And this guy, I mean, I'm 17 years old. This guy is cursing a blue streak. F-bomb this, F-bomb that. He mentioned, he mentioned God's name so many times I thought I was in a, a church service. J.C. this, you, you know what I'm talking about. He remembered that my dad was a Christian and that I was a ball player, and he went, oh. He said, man, I'm so sorry. Like, this is like 15 minutes into it. And here's what I said to him. I, you know, and I was a young guy, but I just felt this motivation from the Spirit of God. I said, look, I said, I, I appreciate that, but I said, you're really not offending me. I said, you're offending God you're using his name in vain. I, you know, Because what, what happened was we're loading this stuff, and, we're loading, and, and he pinched his thumb on this board, and he's like, uses God's name in vain. I said, now think about this. I said, I'm getting pretty whatever as a 17-year-old, but I said, why didn't you say, oh, Buddha. Oh, man. Confucius, that really hurts. Wow. Man, Muhammad. That's literally what I said to him. I'll never forget it. This is like 48-year-old dude going like, you know, I never thought of that. I don't know. Maybe he's cursing Muhammad's name to this day. I don't know. But it's, just, it's, it's by nature. You, you should never look at a sinner and say, I can't believe they did that. That's what sinners do. That's what we did before the grace of God reached our life. We're just, you hear me say, we're just beggars showing other beggars where to get the bread. It's not that we're good enough or, oh, we're not like those people. No, we are just like those people. It's only the grace of God that changes our life. But here's the advantage. Here's the advantage. Are you ready? Let your mind be controlled and coached by the Holy Spirit. We need to allow that. Because when you do, the Bible says you'll have life and peace. Jesus said, if you're not born again, you'll never enter my kingdom. I mean, think of that conversation. I'm talking to a guy at Burke's Products about using God's name in vain. Think about Jesus talking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a Pharisee, man. He knows the law inside and out. He comes to Jesus at night, and 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 he's saying, I I, I want to be for you. I I know the things you're doing. It's got to be from God. What, What does it mean? What are you talking about? He said, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And remember what Nicodemus said? He didn't get it. You can't blame him. He's saying, what must I do, crawl back into my mother and be born again? He's saying, no, that's what it says. Verse 4, read it. I'm not making it up. I don't write the paper. I just deliver it. I'm a newspaper boy. That's it. He said, no, you've got to be born of the Spirit. Human beings can reproduce human beings, but God wants to birth you in the Spirit. He wants to change your life. And that's the difference, because it's not a matter of knowing right from wrong. What really it is, it's a matter of letting the Spirit of God take you into a new realm. Your sinners are going to sin. But once you know Christ, you can be controlled by the Holy Spirit. What an advantage that is. And then we got to let Him coach and speak to our life. I'm going to take you to one more verse before I close. Galatians 5. Galatians 5. Listen, this battle always goes on. And I don't know why I'm always making the football the sinner and making the baseball the spirit. I don't know. I did play football too, but these things always battle. And even once you're a Christian, that doesn't mean that you're never going to, you're going to be tempted. You're going to sin. You're going to have failings, all right? So we've got to let the spirit of God lead our mind and our thinking. Galatians 5, verse 16, New Living Translation, here's what it says. So I say, Paul's writing now again. He's writing to believers. He's writing to Christians. He said, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. That's our bottom line today. Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Let him control your thinking. That's what Paul is saying. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So your sinful nature wants to do this. Don't let that control, let the Spirit control your mind. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. So these two things are going to always fight. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. You, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Look at verse 18. But when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Paul's saying, look, it's pretty simple. When you follow the sinful nature, here's what's going to happen. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. He's talking to Christians. He's saying, if you let your sinful nature in control, this is where it's going to take you. But then he says, let me tell you again, he says this, he says, as I have said before, that anyone living that sort of life, the New King James says, anyone that puts this lifestyle into practice, we all sin. We all sin. Raise your hand if you sin. Thank God for the grace of God. But it's different when you practice the lifestyle, when you live that lifestyle. It's not just, no, that's just, this is who I am then he says, you're never going to inherit the kingdom of God. Look what it says in verse 22. I love it. But, but, everyone say but, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, self-control. That's what the Spirit brings. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. The filter for our lives isn't selfishness. The filter is to say, God, is this what you want for my life? The Bible says take every thought captive. So the Holy Spirit wants to coach us. The Holy Spirit wants to counsel us. He wants to take every part of us. Romans 12, I won't read all of it, but it says, let God transform you into a new person, changing the way you think. It doesn't have to be set like concrete where, well, it's just the way we are. You know, I've always done this. No, the grace of God can change that. So there's more I would say, but I'm going to close. I want to give us time to do this. Here's what I, I want to do, because sometimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit I often said to you like, you know, as a kid, I, Holy Spirit, man, it's Holy Ghost. What, where, You can't see it. It's not electricity. He is a person. He is a member of the Godhead. We believe in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And here's what I want you to do as we close because sometimes we hear the preaching and we, you know, we do that and come to church. That's great. But what I want to encourage you today is that I, I want to be a coach to you, and more importantly, I want the Holy Spirit to be your coach. There's a right way to throw a baseball, okay? Uh, there's the right way to hold a bat. There's the right way to hit. And that's what you do. And, man, when you go in there, you're batting coach. I remember Tommy Reynolds from the White Sox. You'd be in there for 20 minutes. You'd be hitting. He'd say, hey, you're dropping that left shoulder. You're kind of leaning too much. Just get, keep those arms up, you know. Or guys that would come in. Like, I, when I came, I was always a little higher, and he said, Brian, what's the first thing you're going to have to do if you want to hit? You're going to have to bring it here. So that's that hitch, where now, from here to here, it's going to take more time. I'm not going to get around on that 90-mile-an-hour fastball. He said, why don't you just do this? Here's what he said. Tommy Reynolds looked at me, he said, "What? Well, just go like this, put, put the bat on you, and just go like this. How about right there? Here's what I want to say to you today. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Because like my dad... I can tell you flat out, when he was watching a baseball game, when I played in high school, even honestly, when I pl- my first White Sox game that he came to in Florida, I was nervous. My dad's coached me my whole life. My dad would see things that nobody else saw. He knew if I was doing something right or doing it wrong, right? That's the way the Holy Spirit is. I told you I, I showed Doug Peterson. I'm going to give the Tom Landry quote. And all the Cowboy fans said, wow, not a lot of Cowboy fans. Thank God. We're pastoring this church well. That's good. <laughs> Come on. Are you a Cowboys fan? Where are the Steelers fans? Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Pack what? The Packers? Yeah, they just got beat by the Eagles, right? Is that what you mean? Touché. Holy Spirit here's what I want you to think about. What I want you to do is close your eyes and bow your head. I'm not gonna give an altar call for salvation today. Listen, if you need Christ, you're watching online, you need Christ, man, reach out to us, tell us that, we'll send you information. Here's what I felt the Holy Spirit strongly talked to me about today. There's not one person hearing my voice, including my voice, the one speaking it, that doesn't need coaching. And as you close your eyes and just think about yourself, and I, listen, here's what Tom Landry said. Tom Landry gave this quote. He said, coaches see what nobody else sees. Coaches are willing to say what no one else will say because coaches are gonna help you get to where you really need to be. I wanna say that again. Coaches see what no one else sees because that's what they do. Coaches are willing to say what no one else is willing to say because they want you to go where they know you need to go. Friends, I want to tell you, if that's true of a coach, that's true of the Holy Spirit. So as your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, I want us just to have a reflective moment. As Josiah plays today, I want you to think about, what does God see in my life? What is it that I need to do? And listen, I I think sometimes we get too mystical. Like, yes, God can touch you. God can do the miraculous. My goodness, He raised the dead. But I'm asking you, what do you need to do today? What practical step do you need to take today? Maybe you're not in the word enough. Maybe God's saying, listen, I want you to open that Bible. I want you to talk to me more. Maybe it's something like journaling or just getting a notebook and just, listen, I've been going through this season since maybe four or five months where I've really been practicing the discipline of solitude. We did it for our whole staff. No smartphone, no nut, just just your Bible and a journal, And just peace and quiet and you know what I realized the birds are always chirping the clouds are always moving it's amazing how powerful silence can be you can hear the whisper of God and God is saying Brian I want you to change this Brian let me help you with this maybe God is speaking to you about the physical maybe he's saying listen you need to exercise more Maybe you need to drink more water. Maybe you need to get more sleep. Maybe you got too much. Your your to-do list is just on and on and on and on. Just just take some time. Go for a walk. What is God saying to you today? That's what I want you to hear. Maybe the step today is to go to GTN 60. You're a part of the church, but you're you're not connected. You may be coming for 10 years, but I just don't feel connected. Come to GTN 60 today. Maybe you're brand new. Maybe this is your first time ever here. GT Live, where are you at? What are you thinking? Let God control it. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe there's a voice in your life that's really causing you to struggle. Maybe it's creating fear. Maybe it's a son, a daughter. It could be a coworker. Where's it at? But let the Holy Spirit counsel you. So here's what I want us to do. Before I pray, as you're thinking about that, when and I'm not saying you got the answer, you got it all figured out. When you know what area God is speaking to you, then I'm gonna ask you to stand because here's the deal. I, a guy said to me one time, he said, Brian, you know what? He goes, you need to pray for me. I got Dunlap disease. And I got real serious and very pastoral. I said, Dunlap disease, I never heard of it. He said, it's when your belly Dunlaps over your belt. And of course I laugh. Maybe God's speaking to you about way you're eating, the way you're taking care of yourself, your body, soul, and spirit. How is the Holy Spirit coaching you? When you feel that direction, I want you to stand. Just the minute you know. You may already know because you've been, God's been talking to you about it for a while. So the minute you know, I want you to stand. And when we have most everybody standing, then I'm going to pray and we're going to close. So if you get out late today, it's not the preacher's fault. So just be thinking. What is it? Where where is God speaking to you? What kind of, you know, locker room talk is he giving to you right now? Let the spirit of God speak to your heart. You don't have to have all the answers, but maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's something at work. Maybe it's a future. Maybe there's a transition in your life. Just say, God, what is it? What part of my life do you want to talk to me about? And you're not going to get the answer today, but in the weeks to come, you're going to spend time. You're going to be in that word. You're going to let God speak to you. Speak to us, God. Just take that moment. Take that moment. Thank you, God. Thank you for speaking to us, Lord. Thank you for bringing things to our attention. Thank you, God, that you see what nobody else sees. Thank you, God, that you're willing to speak stuff to us that other people aren't. Thank you, God, that you encourage, you challenge, you convict, because you're gonna gonna be the only one that gets us where we need to go. Listen, you may not get it today. You You may not feel it before we pray, Then just remain seated. Just make that a sign to say, God, I need to hear from you. I need to know what it is. We're going to pray. Father, I thank you today. I thank you that you sent Jesus. But I thank you that after he ascended, you sent the promise of the Father. I thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit to remind us of what Jesus said, to teach us things, God, deeper about the gospel. Thank you that you give us strength to live out the Christian life. And, Lord, we want to submit our control, God. We want to surrender. God, we, as it were, lift our hands. We surrender to you. We don't want to surrender to the sinful nature, God. That leads to death. We're asking you, God, today for life and peace. We're asking you for wisdom in the next steps we take, God. What do you want from us, Lord? That's what we want to know. We're going to be faithful to do it by the power of of your spirit to give us more love more joy more peace more gentleness more self-control God speak to your church today online wherever they're listening today God may we hear your voice lead us God to that place help us to take that step in Jesus name I pray and if you believe that in your heart you really do say amen I'm going to ask us all to stand and here's what I want to say to you Maybe you didn't feel that direction. Maybe you didn't know exactly what area God. But here's what I would say for those who did. When you take that first step, I want you to just think about That's going to be the step that I'm taking to where God wants to lead me. For some of you, it's going to be right through those doors to GTN 60. For some of you, it's going to be go and make a phone call and talk to someone. For some of you, it's going to be, I need to forgive that person. I need to ask for their forgiveness. I don't know what it is the Spirit of God said to you. But isn't he a great coach? Now, I'll say this, I was a baseball player and I'm gonna close with this. In baseball, you know, we didn't do a lot of locker room talks. You know, it was 162 games, long season. We weren't gonna do the rah-rah, you know. But how many football players in the room? All right, how many, you know, the locker room talks? Uh, I wanna encourage you today. Just think of this as a locker room talk. Whatever God has spoken to you, he's gonna lead you to that. And it may not be nice. It may not be easy. The team may be big. The enemies may be big. But I want to tell you, God is faithful. All right? So be blessed as you go out these doors. When you take that first step, just think about where you're headed. Love you guys. God bless you. Listen to Bobby as we worship.